welcome to Council for Unplugged. This is the podcast of our Council for AFSCME Union here in New Britain, Connecticut. I'm Larry Dorman. Alongside me is my co-host, our co-host, Renee Hamill, as well as Johnny Daly, who engineers this program. Council for, we are a union proudly representing 30,000 workers across the great state of Connecticut in the public sector and the private sector. Uh, we have a special show that we have been excited about. Our guests today are going to be the new leadership team of the Connecticut AFL-CIO, and they are Ed Hawthorne, who is the president of the Connecticut AFL-CIO and a member of AFSME Local 269, and Shelley Davis, who is the vice president of the AFL-CIO in Connecticut, and Shelley comes from AFT Local 2221, uh, representing paraprofessionals in Hartford. So welcome to both of you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us, Larry. Thank you. Yeah, this is, uh, as I say, we are excited. Uh, both of you took office last week. You were sworn in and uh, succeeding our friend, Sal Luciano, uh, the former president of the AFL-CIO. And uh, so let's get right to it. Renee, I think you have a question right away for our guests. Yeah, congratulations to you both on your election. We want to know what is your vision for the future of Connecticut's labor movement? The vision for the future is really cross-sector solidarity to get more AFSCME folks uh, to a strike line for, you know, 1199 who's out there now to get more building trades folks out to things that matter to AFSCME, more AFSCME folks out to you know, things that matter to the building trades. It really is trying to bring us all together. And Sal was so great at doing that. And that's something that Shelly and I really want to continue to do. We want to you know, connect with not only leadership, but rank and file members and get out to your meetings and talk to you about what matters to you so that we can bring that back and make sure that everyone's voice is heard. And um, the future, I think, is strong and bright at this time. And uh, we're going to keep working at it and try to grow our movement and stay stronger together. Shelly, uh, we want to hear from you. What are the biggest priorities that you will um, undertake in the first year? Thank you for the question. Our biggest priorities are to build relationships, to listen and be advocates for all of our members and to see and listen to know what issues they have and what it is they expect from us. We believe that we can make things better for the labor movement. We're stronger together if we're all working together. And so that's one of our priorities. Last month, October of 2021, um, became known as Striketober. Uh, we saw and we are seeing a, a wave of worker activism across the country, highlighted by multiple strikes and, and other um, worker actions. Uh, I wanted to ask you both, what's your view of this nationwide labor unrest and worker dissatisfaction and where do you see it headed? Working people are fed up and tired. They're tired of being mistreated. They're tired of being underpaid and they're tired of lousy health care. They are tired of not having quality, affordable health care. And that's why over 100,000 workers are either on strike or have voted to strike. Yeah, we've seen how the pandemic has um, you know, created a situation where people are frustrated, like you said. Um, the pandemic has also widened the gap between millionaires and billionaires in Connecticut who have amassed a lot of wealth and the working class that are just struggling to get by, which the pandemic has made worse. 
So what can be done to make sure working people are not left further behind? In the words of uh, Tom Wilkinson, organize, organize, organize. Uh, the best way to do that is to have a voice in the workplace and unionize your workplace. Uh, but in order to unionize, we need our uh, friends down in Washington to recognize the fact that labor law is broken. It's from a different point in time that doesn't reflect the reality that is our current workforce. Uh, passing the PRO Act would be probably the greatest labor achievement in the last 50, probably 50, 60 years. Uh, it would make it easier for us to organize. It would make it actually have real penalties when uh, labor law is violated. And, you know, we it, it needs to reflect the current point in time. What I mean by that is back when these laws were written, if you walked into a hotel, you would know all the people working there actually work for that hotel. Now, when you walk in there, they may work for a private contractor, the people that clean the rooms. Another contractor may work in the kitchen. Another one may even work and greet you at the desk and be a completely different employer. The PRO Act would apply a test to make it so that they wouldn't be able to take advantage of people. There wouldn't be three people taking a cut before those people get paid. And we need the modernized labor law. And I believe the PRO Act is the way to do that and to lessen that gap by giving people a voice in the workplace. And, you know, I mentioned at the top of the show and our, our guests here on Council Forum plugged our Ed Hawthorne, uh, newly elected president of the Connecticut AFL-CIO and Shelley Davis, newly elected executive vice president. Uh, we, we alluded to the fact that you both have considerable experience in the labor movement. Ed was the vice president of Local 269, AFSCME Local 269. You worked in the Department of Labor. Uh, Shelley, you were, have been a paraeducator with over 25 years of experience in public education. Um, president of the Hartford Para, uh, excuse me, Hartford Federation of Paraprofessionals, which is part of the uh, AFT Connecticut Union. Um, so given this background and experience and commitment you, you both have, what made you decide to step up and, and run for AFL-CIO leadership? Well, that's a good question too. I stepped up because I wanted to be part of an organization labor that fights for people's rights um, to a higher level. I think there's so much we can do and it's such a way to give back. And working with Ed over the last couple of years between Eastern Elf and Western Elf, we developed a, a friendship. We developed common interests of working for the people. And so to continue Sal's legacy of solidarity and unity, I could see no other way to start than to be right here. Love to hear that. How about you, Ed? So, I mean, personally for me, it's I, I've always came out of anything that I do trying to make a difference in the lives of others. And there's no better way to do that than through the union movement. We're the largest organized force to make change in our country, really. And you know, just like Shelly said, working together with Eastern and Western, we work great together. We want to take our skills that we use to organize at a local level in the ALFs and take that to the state federation and also you know, support the community in the ALFs at the same time. It was, a, I believe, a good opportunity for both of us to give back to the movement that's given us so much. And that's really how we look at it. We're serving you. We're part of a federation. We don't have members. We have affiliates. And we're there to give back to our affiliates so that we can have a better life for working people. 
in the state of Connecticut. And that's really what it's all about is coming in here every day. I tell everyone, you know, I, I just got sworn in on Friday, so I'm assuming this will end sooner or later, but I wake up at five o'clock every day with a smile on my face. And it's not because I can't sleep or I'm nervous because I'm excited to go to work every day. I'm excited to come in here to Rocky Hill and walk into the office and fight for working people. And, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll lose that, but I do have a lot of energy and, uh, you know, I hope, I hope that comes across and I hope that inspires others to step up and really try to make a difference. Even if you think you can't, I'm, I'm here to let you know that you can, and you can make a huge difference just by showing up and fighting for other people. Listen, just hearing you and Shelly talk about uh, your excitement and your vision for the labor movement in these tough times, uh, it's making me smile and Renee smile. Uh, this is, this is truly a, you know, an exciting time for Connecticut labor. So uh, I appreciate your answer. Um, I just want to clarify for our listeners, um, ALF is the Area Labor Federation. We have two in Connecticut. We have the Eastern and the Western. Um, Shelley is the president of the Eastern Area Labor, Labor Federation, and um, Ed was president of the Western Connecticut Area Labor Federation. Um, but both these organizations that uh, you teamed up to launch the Labor Leadership Academy, tell us about this program and how it will help develop emerging leaders in the labor movement in Connecticut. Well, you just alluded to it. That's what we're trying to do. We want more people in the labor movement to look like us. I'm a 36-year-old millennial, and Shelly is a powerful uh, Black leader in the labor movement. And we want to lift up those underrepresented populations. And we got to talking, and we thought of forming this uh, this Labor Leadership Academy. I know I talk to my mentor, uh, Steve Schrag, every morning. He calls it Good Morning Labor and we talk about organizing and politics and life and how it relates to working people. And I started talking to Shelly about that. I said, we should really be doing something to lift up other people. And we teamed up and we came up with this idea for the what turned into the Labor Leadership Academy. We have four excellent facilitators who are fully volunteer, volunteering their time. Stephen Schrag is one of them, uh, Peggy Buchanan, and then two uh, former leaders of AFSCME Council 4, Kit Salazar-Smith, as well as Blair Bertaccini. And we targeted, didn't limit it to, and we say targeted, uh, you know, younger folks, uh, people of color and women in order to come into this training program. So what's going to happen is each month they're going to meet, whether it be classroom learning or doing a community-based project or developing their end of the uh, time projects. And they're going to learn how to become leaders. They're going to learn different skills. They're going to learn techniques. They're going to learn how to write an op-ed. They're going to learn how to public speak. They're going to learn organizing techniques. They're going to learn the importance of uh, different, you know, ways to communicate with people. And at the end of it, what we plan to do is implant them into our ALF chapters. There are four of them throughout the state, and um, we're going to put them back into the community, and they're going to run a project within that community. Uh, just as far as how successful this has been, I have to give a shout out to AFSCME Council 4 for really getting behind this and seeing the value in it. Currently, uh, there are 47% of those attending the Labor Leadership Academy come from AFSCME Council 4, which is tremendous. I know you all put it in your newsletters because I get them as a Council 4 member. You put it up on the website and you talk to the leadership uh, there's one more that might be coming on too. He's rearranging the schedule. So it might actually be 50% are from council four, but we do have representatives from 
all walks of labor. We have uh, people from the trades, not only public sector, but private sector. Uh, we have older folks, younger folks, black, brown. I mean, it's they're going to not only learn from our facilitators, but learn from each other. And at the end of it, hopefully have a tight knit group where they're able to, over the course of their labor careers, while they grow, to be able to call another person and run an idea by them that they become close to. And, you know, we're developing that bench that maybe we never had in the past, but we always say we should have. And that's what I really believe the true value of this is going to be. I wanted to ask you both, uh, it's 2022 next year, which means it's a big election year. Um, and it'll be the governor's race as well as statewide legislative uh, elections. What's your plan for bringing labor unions together to ensure that we elect leaders who will fight for working people and who will protect workers' rights? And really just to bring back to the workers to have that conversation that unifies us. It's, you know, we want a fair wage. We want to work one job. We want to be able to put food on our table. We want to be able to take that family vacation every year without having to put it on a credit card and worry about how we're going to pay it off in the future. We want affordable health care. And it's a shame we have to say affordable health care at this point in time because a lot of the health care, although it's offered, is still out of reach. You look at the strikers for $11.99, their premiums are so out of reach reach that they've been on strike for it'll be a month next thursday we want to retire with dignity if you work your entire life for a company we believe as you know union members that that employer has a obligation to take care of you when when you retire as you took care of them and dedicated your life to them and something that's often overlooked and i think should be stressed we always talk about pay retirement health care but safety i mean if we talk to the workers about having a safe workplace, indoor air quality, the fact that there is no standard for indoor air quality other for an airborne pathogen rather than a chemical is something that this pandemic really brought to the forefront. The fact that you can go into work and not know if you're bringing something home to your family because your employer doesn't provide you with the proper protective equipment. Uh, just to save a few bucks. I know I did a lot of work with the workers at Waterbury Hospital during the pandemic. And the stories that I heard from them were, I mean, there's no other word for it. They were horrifying the way that they were treated at the beginning of the pandemic and then throughout. And there wasn't a lot of people to keep an eye on them because, well, you know, visitation was suspended. So the families weren't coming in to see what the conditions were. And these workers, luckily enough, had a union and we were able to reach out to us through the area labor federations, and we were able to push back and make real change. So I really think we need to get out there and get back to basics, talk to our membership about what's important to all years, and then you know really have our politicians hear our voice as a unified voice that the status quo is no longer good enough. There's a new status quo, and the pandemic has changed things. And when we work together and we fight together, we all will win. Absolutely. That is, uh, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, We really appreciate uh, Ed Hawthorne and Shelly Davis, the new leadership team of the Connecticut AFL-CIO, for joining us today. Uh, I would encourage listeners to uh, check out the Connecticut AFL website at ctaflcio.org. Uh, and you also have a terrific, terrific Facebook and Twitter feed. So 
please people if you want to know what's going on within labor in Connecticut and nationally. Um, the AFL-CIO is just a terrific follow on all fronts. And so again, Ed and Shelley, thank you very, very much for joining us. And I also want to thank, as always, uh, my wonderful co-workers, Renee Hamill and Johnny Daly, who make this show happen. And I'm Larry Dorman of Council 4. Thanks for listening. You have been unplugged. As always, thanks for listening to our Council 4 Unplugged podcast. You can find us on all major social platforms by searching for Council 4 AFSME. Our website is council4.org. My name's Larry Dorman, and you've been unplugged.